Do I need to do a countdown? If you want to. Does that help? No, it didn't fucking last week, did it? <laughs> you took the piss out of it. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Good and, times. And three, two, one. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-da. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Too Much Time on Our Hands, a theatrical cup. I'm Sonia and sitting opposite me with a face for radio is Terry. Hi, Sonia. Hey, Terry. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. My, my knee's a bit sore, but we'll move on. Yeah, Terry just bashed his knee on the table. We're in a different um, location today. We're not in a conservatory. Um, I'm cat-sitting. Uh, so we're in the uh, someone the has old house. fine oak furniture, which really hurts <laughs> if you knee it. Um, so hopefully Dan will be pleased because apparently the the acoustics are better in here. Um, <laughs> the ambiance. The ambiance. Um, cool. So this week we're going to be talking about uh, rom coms. Um, yeah. Don't be like that. So when I put rom coms in the hat, and I said last episode. I feel like it's a genre that people poo-poo and that was highlighted when um, I put a Facebook post up asking for people to recommend good rom-coms and I got people, uh, I would say 99% of people that responded replied with a, I like this rom-com, I think you should watch it. Um, Someone came back with Deliverance. Yeah, I um, saw that. Which was um, a highlight, I thought. Um, And various other... um, um action or horror or just generally horrible films were suggested and it that exactly goes to prove my point i think that people poo poo rom-coms um anyway we won't dwell on that um terry and i are going to be talking about our favorite rom-coms uh, a bit later and we're also going to run down the top 15 grossing rom-coms of all time because between the two of us we've seen 14 of the 15 um, and then we're going to talk about our Kex files. But to start off, we've got possibly our biggest weekly roundup ever because we've both just counted I mean, it up. It seems weird to say we've been busy because it literally means we haven't been busy because we've watched so many films. Yeah, but I actually have been busy. I'm looking at the, the amount of films that I've watched and I can't believe I've watched so many films over the past two weeks that, as well as the rom-coms that I've watched. Um, luckily, we've seen some of those films together. So. Yeah. That'll uh, halve our time talking about them. Um, How do you want to do this? Should we just crack through? Uh, Yeah, but do you want to go first or should I go first? I can go first. Yeah, okay, you go first because then that saves me talking about some of them. Okay, so the first two on my list we saw together because the day after the last time we filmed, we both had a day off. So we went to the cinema and we saw Black Klansman. Why did we have a day off? It was your birthday, oh, yeah, wasn't it? Oh yeah, my birthday. We had a birthday play date. Yeah, so uh, these were Terry's uh, film choices. Just bear that in mind when you uh, um, when he talks about what, what we actually watched that day because it was his birthday, a day that? of happiness. Oh right, okay. I just thought you'd be derogatory about the choices, but you just mean a happy time, and I chose two films that yeah. perhaps other people wouldn't. So yeah, Black Klansman, uh, which is the incredible true story. I can't remember any character names, so I apologise. It's been two weeks. Um, of the first black policeman, I believe it was it in Seattle. There's no point asking me. I don't retain any information, do I? So the first black policeman in some town in America, 
uh, played by Denzel Washington's son, which we found out on the way out, which was, I thought I recognised him, but it was obviously just, a, he looked a bit like Denzel. So he becomes a policeman and he wants to and then ends up becoming a detective so that he can go undercover. At first he's sort of sent into like some black marches to try and find out what they're talking about. Are they inciting violence? Should they be worried? But then he takes it upon himself to try and take down the clan essentially or the organisation as the people in the clan call it throughout the film. So he literally just calls up, there's an ad in the paper saying, do you want to join the clan? So he rings it and essentially makes friends and joins the clan over the phone and then obviously it comes time where he has to go and meet them face to face and then he gets a colleague played by Adam Driver who's also Jewish to basically play his body when he goes to all these meetings and it's say the incredible true story of these two people infiltrating the clan because he continues to speak to them on the phone and Adam Driver continues to see them in face and no one seems to pick up on their completely different voices because he doesn't put on a voice and reading the trivia afterwards the actual guy didn't put on a voice he just spoke in his normal voice when he was on the phone to the clan um so yeah so it's about infiltrating the clan seeing some truly horrendous human beings inside the clan again can't remember any of the names but you've got the sort of guy who you sort of think like he he obviously believes in white plow because he's in the clan but he's not about violence necessarily but then you've got other people within that sect that are very much about let's blow us up some black people mm. and they just want to hurt people and it's just so it's hard to really explain without going into too much detail and spoiling it but it is just that story of these two people trying to take down the clan i mean it's set in the 70s and it obviously doesn't isn't a spoiler to say that they didn't take down the clan because the clan is still alive and well in 2018 um because this film this film does end in a way finishes the story of black Klansman, and then the epilogue which is an absolute punch to the bollocks is just some up-to-date news footage of charlottesville and everything that's been going on in america in like the last 12 months and it it was a very this is one of the few times i think we've left the cinema together and just been like silent possibly fury road was another one but for a very different reason yeah it was um i really felt that at the end of the uh film um you literally could have heard a pin drop in the cinema couldn't you it was yeah. like people were just sat there can you hear the cat meowing yeah. You're trying to get <laughs> um, in. i'm doing a terrible job of cat things i've shut the, <laughs> i've managed to shut the cat outside and he's desperate to come in so um i'll so just I'll go and let him in um yeah do you mind no. um so as terry was saying the the story the film as you watch it i mean really in parts is reasonably comical you need to unlock it um <laughs> the cat's back in um the the film is is quite comical at times um certainly the way um the cops are kind of um uh tricking the clan members you know you've got the one guy on the phone yeah, who, when they're on the phone they're like outwardly taking the he's piss he's basically at taking the piss yeah um, you know, and they're, they're not they're not very 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 kind about the clan, um, and yeah, it, it is comical in parts. Um, and then the film finishes, and as Terry said, you've got this footage from last year of these like white white power rallies, haven't you? And mm. um, a woman got killed in one of them, and I think someone drove a car into her, and it was just um, 
shocking. I found it really hard to to watch, and I, I was genuinely shocked because I, I'm. I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, I can't. You know, I can't even remember. Um, you know film names and stuff that i saw yesterday yeah. and i and i don't watch the news and i'm you know i am a bit sort of like sheltered with stuff and i genuinely didn't know that this happened last year um so it was yeah it was just really really shocking <laughs> oh my god um <laughs> cat hoop in my face here <laughs> so, <laughs> vince is just having an exploration of the equipment um yeah uh, the cat was just <laughs> scratching his face on the microphone stand so sorry about that um Dan's going to be furious <laughs> with us. Um, yeah, Black Klansman is a really... Um, it's definitely worth a watch. I have I know a few people that have been to see it and everyone has just said about, oh, fuck me, that ending. Yeah. Where it's just... It's just so shocking to know, uh, to sort of see that people still think like that because I, can't, I just can't quite get my head no, around it. No, it's just it. mad to think that people still have that such a bigoted opinion that someone is better than someone else because of the color of their skin or their heritage obviously they're very anti-jewish as well it's just crazy because <laughs> what i also like watching the film i was like oh that's a sly dig at trump that's a sly dig at trump and then the end is basically two fingers up at trump yeah. and it's just like just takes away any pretense that it's subtle it's just fuck you trump essentially yeah um so definitely worth a watch yeah i would definitely recommend to go see it but we weren't coming out all full of like woo yeah that was i'm so happy <laughs> yeah it, it was just silent staring somber walking into the distance yeah. and then we decided to go to tesco's which didn't improve the mood much um and then we um we went um home and and cried a little bit no we didn't cry but then um, we decided to watch another film because we had a bit of time. And what, what film did we pick to watch? We watched A Quiet Place. So from one film of misery to another film of misery. I mean, um, at least there was the solace that A Quiet Place is fiction. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure most people know what Quiet Place is. So it is a horror film set in a near future. I think it's set around 2020 or something, if you work it out where the earth has been invaded by aliens of some description that hunt people based purely on sound so the people that have survived this the family that we've got here which is emily blunt john krasinski and two children um well, they start off with three children <clears throat> don't they well yeah they do start off with three i wasn't going to mention that because it's a bit of a spoiler isn't it but only a few minutes in i guess and they they survive by essentially not talking to each other so the first line of dialogue is spoken out loud in the 38th minute of this film i don't know if you noticed me check the display on that song no we i didn't it. um i'll be so, checking my instagram um so possibly <laughs> um i mean i thought it was a decent film i thought it had some good ideas i do have some rather big issues with the film but i think with the decisions they made, it was a good film, but there's three decisions I think were just ridiculous to be made in the film. I don't know if you want to talk about the film before I get my rant on. Um, I think that I possibly liked this a little bit more than you. Like After the film had finished and um, you had your rant, um, I, I didn't get what you got. From it uh sorry the cat is gonna be a nightmare <laughs> he's got in a bag now um he's gonna go off that counter as well in yeah that bag if he's not careful if only if only people could see what we could see right now oh it's so funny but anyway cat in a bag cat in a bag right so 
a quiet place. Um, my biggest issue with it um, was they couldn't make any sound because if they made sound, these creatures would come after them and kill them. Yeah? Vince would be fucked. Um, um, <laughs> that's it. Take a picture so we can share with people what we can see while we're recording this. Um so these people can't make any sound, otherwise these creatures come after them and kill them. And what do they do? They get fucking pregnant. Yeah, so that's one of my issues. Um, which I had... I mean, what the actual fucking fuck? And it's clear from the timeline set out in the film that they have got pregnant since this has happened. It's not like they were pregnant and this happened. Well, of course, because the thing that happens at the start, I mean, it's clearly a reaction to the yeah. thing that happens at the start as well. Um, I mean, it's just... It's, it's obviously put because to, the film wouldn't be as dramatic if no, that, if that, that, that pregnancy scene didn't happen and the and the birth didn't happen. But if this were real life, like what the what are they thinking? Because you're literally putting thinking? your whole family in danger with that. They aren't are. You? They are because she can't give birth silently, and the baby's not going to be silent, is it? To be fair, the baby was pretty fucking well behaved. Because they put it, it in a fucking box. <laughs> um, so. That was my biggest problem with it, Terry. <laughs> so I have that issue as well, and then I have two others. So one is, so these creatures hunt on sound, based purely on sound. While we were watching it, so they live on a farm in the middle of nowhere. I'm, we're assuming it was their farm to begin with, and they've just continued to live in it. They've sort of, they live in the barn rather than the house, and they've sort of done a bit of soundproofing. And I just sort of casually mentioned, oh, surely it'd be better to live somewhere where there's a bit of sound, like by a waterfall, something that's going to make sound because then you wouldn't hear people talking. At the 38-minute mark with the first line of dialogue is, they've gone fishing and they just, and they talk at a waterfall because they can talk because they can't be heard because of the waterfall. Mm. So it pointed out its own mistake in that you would clearly... Because it's not even... If they were living in their house normally, fair enough, but they're living in a barn, they could have built something a ramshack next to that waterfall and they would have been able to live in slightly more sound as they could and obviously getting her to that place for the birth would have been helpful and then towards the end of the film we discover that the creatures don't like loud sounds or sonic noises Mm. and apparently no one has attempted this previously to a creature that lives entirely off sound they haven't just barraged it with sound they've just tried to shoot it and blow it up and that just seems so ridiculous to me possibly not by these exact characters because that makes sense that i mean although he seems to be quite techy because his daughter's deaf and he's trying to make her hearing aid work but surely there would be something in the papers about hit them with sound hit them with sound clearly no one in this universe has thought to attack them with sound Hmm. which just seems unbelievable to me but maybe that will be looked at because apparently they're making a second one. Oh. Whether it's a direct sequel, because this is a bit of a sequel baiting film, mm. or whether it's like the same timeline with different people or something like that. It's got the hump. Um, <laughs> I did read somewhere that at one point it was nearly a Cloverfield film as well, like part of that universe. Oh, okay. yeah, but that, then they took it sense. away and just made it into an individual film, which I think I think it works better as its own thing. So I, I did enjoy it, but it's just those things rather irritated me so that's quiet place so then our viewing differed for a while so i watched deep blue sea 2 oh yeah the straight to dvd sequel and my god is it awful 
it's really weird because it's exactly the same thing. They've got sharks, they're making them clever, but it is in no way connected to the first film. It's a completely different set of scientists. It's a completely different base. There is no mention of it having been done before, but the same thing happens. The twist in this one is that the super clever woman, uh, shark that they've made clever, has babies. Okay. So these babies are some sort of weird hybrid, super intelligent thing, and they sort of act like piranhas, but essentially it's exactly the same thing people getting offed by crap cgi sharks wouldn't recommend that one uh then i watched truth or dare the sort of shitty looking teen horror which was actually a lot better than i thought it was going to be oh i think i saw a trailer for that so i saw a trailer and thought it looked a bit meh it's the one where people's faces go really funny and they have like weird smiles yeah um so i thought oh it looks a bit like i was quite happy to watch it but i thought it's probably gonna be a bit shit but it was actually kind of decent. Mm. So it's literally, they get tricked into playing truth or dare in this dilapidated cathedral or something. And essentially the game becomes real. And if you don't do your truth or you don't do your dare, you will be killed. And you sort of get possessed by this spirit. And you can't ignore the game because it will just ramp up and up and up until um, until one point where one girl who's trying to ignore it is surrounded by hundreds of people that are crushing her until she says truth or dare. Did you buy this or is it on Netflix yeah, no, or something? No, I've, I've got it at home if oh, you want okay. to it. Um, so, perfect. It's not that long. Oh, so, so, yeah, I saw a trailer for it. I think we saw a trailer for it at the cinema. Possibly. Some decent-ish deaths. Yeah. An ending I didn't see coming. I won't give nice. any more than that. Um, but, yeah, say so I just expected it to be, like, proper shitty, which, I mean, it's not the best film I've ever seen, but perfectly decent. I'll keep yeah. it in the collection kind of a number. Nice. Um, but, yeah. Uh, then I watched Annabelle Creation. So, oh, yeah. The Annabelle prequel, which... Have I seen Annabelle? Yes, because you thought it was shit. Okay. Because I watched it, liked it, lent it to you, and you and Rich called me a twat for lending it to you and oh. wasting your time. Me and Rich, did you say? I think so, yeah. I, I never spoke to Rich about it, but I believe you watched it with him and neither of you were that keen on it. So mm, the first one... It must one, have been really crap then <laughs> we didn't like it. The first one is you've got the couple and she's pregnant and he gets her the doll because she collects dolls. Oh, I remember. Why the fuck would you buy a doll that looked like that, though? I don't know. Anyway. And um, like it's possessed by Annabelle, who is was their neighbour's daughter, who was in a cult and killed... She was she killed her parents and then like killed herself to go into the doll. Hmm. So this film's weird because it's a prequel, obviously, set before that, and it's where we see Annabelle being made, essentially. Hmm. Um, and it starts off with this couple with their young daughter... He's a doll maker. Everything's happy. There's lots of scenes to set up that they're a happy, loving family that he plays with the daughter. They all play together. Everything's hunky-dory. They go to church and there's a, oh, have you got that order of a thousand dolls ready for me? Oh, yeah, pop round tomorrow. Something goes awry. The daughter is killed. Mm. Um, we see the daughter. Is it a puppet-related death? No, it's not. It's a car-related death. Oh. Their car breaks down. And he's fixing the, he's changing the tire, and a nut pops out, and she runs to get it as another car comes and just clears her clean out. Uh, so it then cuts to I think twelve years into the future or something like that, and they've now op- opened up their home to some children that were in an orphanage that have been closed down because obviously they've got a big house. The wife now lives in this room and is never spoken to. She's never seen. They just hear a bell ring, and then he goes and sees to her. One of the girls has a dodgy leg and can't walk very well and they're told you can go in any room in the house apart from this one and we find out that that was their daughter annabelle's room um the first night weird things happen and how long has this film been out 
Not I long. Like, I feel like I've seen it from what you're describing. I mean, it's kind of generic up to this point. Again, it's not an awful film. So it then ends. It then goes into stuff. Start. She walks past the room and the doors open. She's in there and she can hear banging from inside this wardrobe. She opens the wardrobe and the doll is sat in the wardrobe on its mm. own. And then the doll starts moving and things ramp up and up and up. Um, I mean, I won't go into too much. It's weird though because obviously, as I say, the first or the second film in the chronology, we see the doll being possessed. And now we're seeing it being possessed before that act has happened. They do explain it, but it's shit. Hmm. That's the bit I didn't like. The rest of it, it's actually quite scary. It really ramps up. There's some like real sort of sudden shocks and then there's some real build-up shocks. Because again, I, you might not remember, Annabelle is possessed by like a demon. So there's bits where you've just got the doll and then there's other bits where the demon is with Annabelle. So it's like this big, almost like goat-like human, like this jet black. So you get elements of that. So there's some really good bits in it. It's it's a bit shaky. Solid sort of three out of five. Is stuff. this um? And is it part of? A, is it an offshoot of another series? So it's the Conjuring. It is the series. Conjuring. I wasn't sure. So yeah, you've got the Conjuring universe, and then yeah. you've got Annabelle one and two. Essentially, the nuns obviously just come out. Oh, of course. And apparently, that's a pile of dog shit. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I do still want to. Oh see yeah, it, though. of ofs. The Nunjuring. Um. Okay. What's next? Uh, next up after that was The Commuter, starring Liam Neeson. I changed tack slightly. Uh, I was really you have dis- seen that before, haven't you? No. Did you not go see it still? No. I, oh. You invited me, but I couldn't make it. I was really disappointed by this film. I thought it was awful. Um, it was just generic Liam Neeson is take, action taken hero. Taken on a train. Yeah, but just generic Liam Neeson. It didn't make sense why they picked him. They tried to explain it. It didn't make sense what he was doing while he was on the train. He's got to try and find someone with a bag, which that that narrows it down. I mean, they do actually say that in the film, to be fair. But yeah, I just found it very... Especially at the end when it starts getting really action, there's a bit where like, the train flips up and he's thrown from one carriage to another. I, would, <clears throat> I just thought it was absolute crap. Yep. Yeah, so next up, The Snowman. Oh. So this was a film I wanted to see at the cinema and... It didn't do very well at cinema. So as an effect, it didn't last very long at cinema. I think it was at the cinema for about three weeks. And one of those weeks, it was only on like midday during the week. Um, so that's a Nordic noir film based on books. I genuinely, On a book? On, well, there's a series of books in there and this is one of them. With Yeah, with Harry Holin. Harry Hole, uh, as her, played by Michael Fassbender. A hilarious name. Yeah, I mean, an issue with this film, it's set in Norway as is in the books. But pretty much everyone in the principal cast, other than Rebecca Ferguson, is like English or American. Yeah. It just seemed like why they didn't just relocate it to like Alaska or something sort of yeah. struck me as a bit. If um, you're going to do it in Norway, throw some Norwegian people in it or some Nordic They kept, they kept all the names and everything, didn't they? Which I actually found quite confusing at times. Yeah. Um, we didn't watch, I, I didn't realise that you'd watched this in the last two weeks because I borrowed this off of you, didn't I? And I actually watched it last night. Anyway, you... Um, you tell me what you thought of it, then I'll... I thought it was okay. I don't think it was brilliant. I think it possibly would have been a better like series because it seemed like a lot of shit got cut out. Because as most things are normal, it's about a serial killer called the Snowman who kills people when it starts to snow. And Harry Hole is investigating him, and his part or his person that becomes his partner thinks that he's been going back for a long time, and. I mean, the, when we find out who it is, that seemed very left field to me. I feel like there was a lot of stuff left out that perhaps would have pointed to that person. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it was all right. Obviously, it had Val Kilmer in it. Oh. And the reason, because I thought he sounded fucking weird. His entire vocal was dubbed. Yeah, what's that? What was that about? I'm assuming because he's been very ill. Didn't he have like a throat cancer? He had or throat cancer, yeah. so I assume he basically couldn't talk or his voice yeah. was inaudible. So that was yeah. That someone was... does his voice for him, and it is very off-putting. But also, not only that, but the first time you see him speak. The words and the mouth movement don't match up at all. Yeah, they've not done he's a good job on that. He's clearly saying something else to what the person dubbing is saying. Yeah. Um, are you done? Yeah, no, with I thought Snowman? it was. Yeah, I thought it was decent. So it took me a bit by surprise. Some good people in it, but yeah, just. I am um, similar. I saw the trailers for it at the cinema. Thought it looked shit. Um, I've read the book. It's a book by Joe Nesbo, um, and. I I didn't love the book, but I thought I'll give I'll give it a go because there's other Joe. Um, oh, I can't remember the name. There's another Joe Headhunters, which is better. oh, that's a brilliant film. Yeah. Headhunters. Um, and you know, and I'd read a, uh, I've read a couple of the books, and I've sort of um, you know met the Harry Hole character, if you like. Um, I I th- I thought it was poor. Um, I I th- like I say, I saw the trailers. It's one of those films. I saw the trailer and I thought. That looks shit, but I still want to see yeah, it because I knew 100%. the characters. Um, and I still thought, oh, that still looks like my cup of tea. Um, but I thought it was so bloody jumbled. There was too much going on, and I just found it really difficult to follow. I actually found the reveal, because I couldn't remember who the snowman was. Um, I actually found the sort of like reveal of the snowman completely obvious. I thought it was so obvious who that was um, from very early on. Um and I, I really felt that because I I read sort of a lot of um, crime books, and the character of Harry Hole is, um, you know, he's damaged. If you want, is he? He's a he's a drunk. He's an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, but still, sort of like managing to work, um, as a detective. Um, and his character reminded me of. Tony Hill from The Wire in the Blood. Tony Hill's not an alcoholic, but he's got issues. Is that Robson um, Green. Yeah, and I, I, I just thought to myself, if you want to watch or read about a damaged detective, I think Wire in the Blood's better. You know, with sort of like a mm. a, a female um, co lead or partner, whatever. Um, who's you know who's very sort of like high functioning and bright and stuff and i I was watching it and i I thought to myself this is a poor man's wire in the blood um which is a shame because other joe nesbo books are really good and like i say headhunters is good as an adaptation off the top of my head i can't think if there's others there must be others but um yeah really disappointed i think um it's somewhere in this house to give back to you okay um so yeah what have you got next Next up was an Arrow video on Blu-ray, Satan's Blade. Oh, lovely. So it's an 80s slasher film. Mm. Uh, so it starts off <coughs> with me coughing. Christ. Uh, so it starts off with a bank robbery. Um, fucking hell, Vince. <laughs> Hope you're loving the acoustic, Dan. Uh, so yeah, it starts off with a bank robbery. Uh, two people robbing a bank that's, run, that's being looked after by two women uh once they've got their money the bank robbers shoot the women it's really weird because like it's obviously fake blood and stuff 
but there's like they've made no attempt to like do a bullet wound they've just put like fake blood on them uh, so they kill these women they go back to this hole that they've got and <gasps> the robbers are women as well and they're probably stripped down to their pants <laughs> and then one of them double crosses the other one and then someone else appears with satan's blade this is an actual knife and kills the other person and then it cuts to like the next day where the police have like taken away the bodies and they're investigating and people turn up it's at like a ski lodge or something in america this these people turn up and they've booked the one next door so they're checking in and then this group of like six young women turn up and go we really need to rent some of that oh well we've only got this one place but there were two dead bodies in it last night that'll be fine what it's just <laughs> Grief. so they decide to go to there so you've got this these six girls who for want of a better sort of term it looked like they're on a hendu mm. and then you've got this other one which has got two couples in it and immediately the the women of the couples are like mm, they're after our men um there then goes quite a long time before there's another death but essentially there's someone local there's a myth about this local person who has satan's blade that was given to him by the devil what are you doing <laughs> to protect the local land from like people coming in it's probably one of those 80s schlock ones where it's a bit shit but enjoyable because it's shit like it doesn't take itself seriously some of the deaths are ott um but yeah it's just it was only about 83 minutes whipped along say some nice deaths some beautiful like 80s mustaches and stuff going Mm. on but yeah i mean i'd recommend it if you're into that sort of shit slasher but if you're not into a shit slasher then it is not for you no get down uh, so then because when we first again started talking about this we weren't sure what we wanted from a rom-com so I watched a few random rom-coms there was a Netflix original called When We First Met which okay. stars Alexandra Daddaro and the f- uh she's in San Andreas with The Rock oh, I haven't seen that so um, and then it's also got some fella in it whose name I can't remember he's in the <laughs> Pitch Perfect films but he's really fucking irritating but he's one of these people that America see as like a truly funny actor Hmm. Because I was reading the trivia, and like, oh, when he came on board, they let him rewrite the script. And I was like, and that's probably where it went fucking downhill. Um, so, I mean, it's not awful. It's based so this guy whose name I can't remember meets Alexandra Daddaro. They have an amazing night together. He misses his chance to go in for the kiss, and they end up parting ways. And then we cut to like three years later, where she's now engaged to this other guy. He's secret, well, not so secretly in love with her, and he's just like ruining the the fact that he's he just lingered too long and didn't go for that kiss. He then finds a magical photo booth, which takes him back to that day, and he can basically relive that day and affect the events. So, what? What's it called? When we first met. So, let me just get this right. They they've spent one night together. Yeah. He didn't kiss her, but for three years he's in love with her. Yeah. Fucking. There, there's some plot holes. <laughs> so he she meets the guy that she's now marrying the next day and like falls immediately in love with him so he's like he missed his chance because he didn't get in there before this other guy that was that was his thinking mm. if i hadn't if i'd have got in there before him maybe she wouldn't have looked at him so he goes about doing the night again but winning but every time he changes it slightly we then cut to three years in the future and everything's completely changed because there's one time where he's like girls love a girls love a bad boy so i need to be a bit of an asshole he wakes up and it's like, oh my God, I went full asshole. And he's now got like tinted hair. He's wearing leather trousers. And he's because just... Because that's what makes an asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, as I say, there's... It wasn't awful. A couple of bits made me laugh, but it wasn't particularly brilliant. 
Can I just, something just occurred to me while you were talking about that and I was going, what? I sat there in silence while she talked about Satan's blade, which frankly sounds ridiculous <laughs> and didn't question any of it. As soon as you went... A magical they, photo booth. They spent one night together and I fell in love and I'm like, what? <laughs> that wouldn't happen. <laughs> Cynical. Yeah. Uh, so then it's when I started watching the rom-coms we'll be talking about later. So then I went to go and see The Predator, the new one, not, oh, the, now interesting. not the original so one. So we saw this separately and we decided to wait, didn't we? Yeah. Until we'd seen each other to discuss. So I again, I liked it, but I had issues. So I thought the actual Predator bits were good when you actually had The Predator and when you had like the Uber Predator. But I just thought most of the human characters were shit. So he ends. So we've got the main guy. Can't remember his name. Uh, he witnesses a predator attack or a predator crashing, and it it kills his friends. He's now being done by the army. Not his friends, is it? It's well, his his, team. his, his comrades, um, and they're basically pinning the deaths on him because they don't want to admit to the fact that there's a predator. And we basically find out that the American government knows all about predators. They call them predators, and there's actually a line in there about how that's a stupid name to call them because they're hunters. Um, He's essentially been arrested and he's on like a prison bus with other characters who are all fucking awful. You've got Thomas Jane who's got Tourette's for no seemingly good reason. You've got Alfie Allen playing an Irishman for no seeming reason. Some other fella who just makes shit jokes all the time. Another guy who's a bit of a religious zealot. And then you've got Trevante Rhodes is probably the only one who's half decent. But he's tried to kill himself numerous times and he's clearly a fucking whack job. And it's like... You could have done away with all of those people and I think made the film better because they spend so much time servicing these characters and giving them stuff to do that they just don't need to do. Mm. It would have been better had it been like three people rather than this ragtag group of something. And then you've got Olivia Munn in there as the scientist who's been wronged by the government because she tried to steal the predator blood or is it blood? We'd, we find out that the, the yellow gloop we've thought for years was blood might not actually be blood. It might be spinal fluid from where the predators are trying to mute, mutate themselves. And the Predator dogs I didn't like either. Um, but there were some bits I liked. There was a few bits I didn't like. There was a lot of humour. I mean, there's essentially a laugh. Because I, when I saw it, there was a lot of, I would say, 15-year-olds who this film is purely aimed at mm. watching it. And the bit where the suit, the little boy is wearing the suit and it comes to life and kills someone, got a laugh. And it's like, that boy has just killed someone. He blew mm. up his fucking house. That's not a laugh. That's a fuck me what's happened. But it was a laugh and it got a laugh. And yeah, for me, it was just, I mean, it was never going to beat the first one, but I was hoping it might become my second favourite Predator film and it didn't. Um, I thought it was uh, shit. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that surmises what I've just said. Um, well, no, because you thought it was okay. Um I I basically thought I was watching Predator the comedy. Um, yeah, that is the big problem. I agree that none of the characters are particularly likable. The main bad guy I thought was the most likable character, yeah. and I don't think it's he was the most like developed. He had a clear goal, yeah, and a clear when, reason for being. When you're rooting for the bad guy, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, the I, I disagree about the um, the predator scenes. I I don't like it when you can see the predators. I just thought it looked like men in suits, like fancy like fancy dress, basically. I'm not saying that because they were bad. Um, I just think it looks really silly when you can actually see the predator so much for so long. 
Um, yeah, the dogs were stupid. Um, they reminded... Someone said um, they were like uh, something off of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, I just... like if, So it finished and I went... We, we saw this um, separately because we couldn't, get, we couldn't uh, get there at the same day or time. And I think I went to see it with uh, four other people. And we're all like Predator fans. And when the film had finished, I was thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm going to have to justify to these five now, or these four now, why I didn't like it. But actually, none of us liked it when we came out of it. I was just really, really disappointed. Um, I just thought it was really stupid. So I think it was aimed at like young adults. It was aimed at 15, 16 year olds. I don't think it was aimed at any higher than that. I, d- I was just really, really disappointed because it's Shane Black as well. Yeah, no, just... I was so excited because it was him. Mm. But yeah, um, it's the first film of his that I genuinely just don't like. Yeah, so that was eh, whatever. Yeah, so next up was another cinema visit where we did go together for me. A Simple Favour. Oh, yeah. Which we saw last week, a Sydney World Unlimited screening. I'm not sure when it's actually out. And I. So I what I don't read reviews before I see a film. Mm. I just look at the star rating just so I could sort of get an average. Empire gave it two out of five. Really? Yeah, I thought this film was brilliant. Yeah. I had no idea what it was about other than it was Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively in some sort of weird thriller type thing directed by Paul, I don't know if it's Feig, Feig, mm. who did the Ghostbusters reboot, Bridesmaids. He's mostly known for comedy and this okay. is being seen as his like step into a bit there are comedy elements in it but i just thought this was so good so well acted by anna kendrick and blake lively i mean blake lively looks fucking phenomenal throughout this film she wears mm. some amazing outfits but then i think anna kendrick's wardrobe really sells her as the sort of goody two-shoes mum as well yeah. the sort of pencil skirts and nice blouses and stuff like that whereas then you've got blake lively in fucking trilbies and mm. suits Lots of lovely little nods to Aviation Gin from Ryan Reynolds. Oh my God, talk about product placement. She might as well have just gone, Aviation Gin, yeah. Yeah, that was Anytime a drink is being made, there is a big bottle of Aviation Gin with the label facing the camera. Yeah, we liked that a lot. Um, But yeah, so it's Anna Kendrick is a goody two-shoes mum. Blake Lively is a... I mean, she's sort of shown as meant to be like a sort of bad mum, but she's not a bad mum. She's just, she drinks in the middle of the day she's very much don't we all do <laughs> like she isn't a slave to her child is probably the best way to put it and they mm. they strike an unlikely friendship where basically Anna Kendrick does a lot of things for Blake Lively mm. and then one day Blake Lively asks her to babysit for her son and never comes back and the film basically then follows this path with her with the two children with Blake Lively's husband and a sort of what's happened did the husband offer her did someone else offer her has she just disappeared did she die is she who she says she is and yeah. it becomes and, a very much a sort of a who done it or yeah, did Anna, it happen Anna Kendricks basically uh, investigates it doesn't she yeah because um, she has a vlog um, and she talks about her because they've only known each other for a week as well when it when she yeah. goes missing and she talks about but she doesn't really have any friends so for her yeah she latches on she, uh, she Blake Lively's character becomes her best friend and she says oh my best friend's gone missing and she sort of investigates it there was a little twist at the end which I did see coming sort of like a mile off but um, I I really you know because we knew nothing about it um, and I'd seen Predator the day before I was I'd literally gone from one shit film to an, another on to like a really good film um, I, I would really recommend people going to see this yeah and I don't really want to say much more because I don't want to yeah. spoil spoil people's ride and it's got um, 
I, d- I don't know his name. It's got the guy from uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, he uh, seems to be in a lot of things now. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he's like a rising star, but... I think he is. He was he was good in it as well. It was, uh, yeah, a really decent film. I enjoyed it a lot. No, I did, in, I did too. So then the last film that I watched was Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. Yeah, I want to see this. Which is on Netflix, which annoyed you. Because had you bought it or just put it to one side to buy? No, I'd, uh, I'd bought it. Okay. So this is a, a true life film, which I didn't realise until... I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's about... Oh, I can't remember her name now. Glenda... No, Grace... Grace something or other, who is an actual actress. It's set in the 80s. Um, Jamie Bell plays... Peter, who's a younger man, who's so it starts off with this actress having a bit of a fall, and she asks for someone to call a certain person, who we find out is Jamie Bell. She goes back to his house, and we find out that like they've had a relationship at some point, and then the whole film sort of is almost in flashbacks, so it flashes back to bits. So we mm. find out where they met, where they fell in love, how their relationship ended, and then there's a thing that's driving it forward, like in the current era. It's just a really, really nice film. It's really mm. well acted. So obviously we get to see the them getting together, them having fun, them breaking up, like why they broke up. But it's just, it's a really good performance by Annette Benning. Because I say, I was watching it thinking this is really good. And I was like, because the thing that made me look to see if it was someone that was real was there's mention that she was an Oscar winning actress. Okay. So then I just sort of looked up and yeah, it's based on a real actress. It's all true. Like this affair with this young Liverpool lad, even though she's from like last from los angeles mm. and very odd because there's like a sort of 40 year age gap i think between okay, them. I was, yeah i was gonna say what's the age um but yeah it's just a really nice film it, it could all i mean i wouldn't quite class it as a rom-com but it's like a romantic drama with yeah, I was comedy say, elements it seems like more of a romantic drama rather than comedy but yeah, i mean i don't really want to say too much because i don't want to spoil any of it but yeah it's just their relationship together how it affects his family how it affects her family and just like them living their lives and what what it brings to them, but I really enjoyed it. I um, I it was one that um, I noticed. I saw it on DVD, um, as in I saw it on the shelf to buy on DVD. But I hadn't um like seen it out at the cinema or anything. I no, know I don't. If it got I think it had very. It got a lot of. I think Annette Bening was BAFTA nominated, okay. and Jamie Bell might have been BAFTA nominated. Um. But I, I didn't realise it was based on a true story. But you see so many films that aren't necessarily about an older man um, and a younger woman, but they're but they're couples that are played by an older man and a younger mm. woman, not necessarily 40 years apart. But it's so common to see older men and younger women. So to see a story... I'm sure we'll be talking about some later. But to see a story where you've got... a an older woman yeah. in a relationship with a much younger man. Well, just as an FYI, because I was watching this on the bus on my iPad, there is female nudity in this film. Uh, maybe a bit uncomfortable because I was sat at the back so there was someone behind me at a higher level so they could probably see my screen and probably thought I was watching pornography. Blimey. I wasn't. Um, but yeah, I just I just thought it, say, it just seemed like an interesting story and I'm more intrigued to watch it. Yeah, no, I, I, I would true. thoroughly recommend it. It was... Um, it was a lovely film, and um, and I'm not mad that I've bought it, even though it's just gone on to Netflix because it seems like some sometimes when you watch a film you kind of feel like other people you know will enjoy it. Too. Oh, I think you'll like it. Yeah, but I kind of feel like 
my mum might enjoy it too. Oh, so yeah. I'd, I'd probably like um, lend it to her as well. We're just going to pause this briefly whilst I just go and um, shoot the cat. Murder my cat. Okay. We're recording again. Mm-hmm. Now. All right, the cat's dead. The cat's not dead. He'll probably start making noise again in 15 minutes. So then the last thing I watched or have started watching is the new Netflix series Maniac starring oh. Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. I saw a trailer for this last night and I was just like, oh my God, that's Jonah Hill. And my friend that I was with was like, no, you're mistaken. And then he spoke. Yeah, it's very odd because he is very skinny. Very thin, isn't he? Um, I think he looks a lot older skinny. Yeah, we thought that too. Um... But yeah, so I'm only, I'm about three quarters of the way through the third episode. So it's set in a sort of near future style thing. And I mean, I'll cut out a lot of it. They join a drug trial and the drugs. The second episode is them taking the first drug. There's three parts of the drug. And the first drug makes you relive the most significant moment of your life, which be that, which generally is something bad that has happened. Mm. So we witness each character go through this moment and then the next basically the pills are then meant to make you forget about it and sort of make you happy it's sort of like anti-depression pills because the people obviously if you're constantly thinking about something horrible that's happened this the first part is to make you confront what you what makes you depressed and then move on it's fucking intense what i've watched so far so emma stone's story in particular or her memory is horrendous um jonah hills is just is more sad Whereas yeah. Joan, whereas Emma Stone's is like fuck Joan Hill, you're just like oh poor Jonah Hill. Mm. At least you've lost a lot of weight. Um, <clears throat> but then, from what I can tell, future episodes they almost go into like alternate realities, and there's bits where they're because there's one there's a picture I've seen where Jonah Hill was basically like in an American football outfit, and he is fucking like muscular, which we've seen thin Jonah Hill before, but we've not seen like muscular Jonah Hill. He looks, he looks weird. It literally looks like he's been photoshopped Maybe because it's Jonah Hill yeah. and you used to fat Jonah Hill from Superbad. But um, no, it's it's really good. I, I only stopped because I was literally falling asleep, but I've banged three episodes on my iPad to get through. I think there's only eight and they said like, this. it's not like a potential run-on series. It's eight episodes done. And it's directed by Corey Fukurama or something like that who directed the first series of True Detective and has just yes. been announced as the new director of the next Bond film. Yes. Which some people have seen that as a weird twist that he's directed. Like, you did fucking True he's Detective. He's done something else as well. Or he was nearly the director of It. No, that's but not what he I'm got, thinking of. But anyway. He was trying to make both chapters into one film and couldn't get along with it and he left. But yeah, he's done, he's done a few bits and pieces. Changing the subject slightly... Have you seen a trailer for that? Um, I think it's like a YouTube show, which I didn't know was a thing. The uh, sort of like Karate Kid um, no. show. You know the the first Karate Kid film? Yeah. And it's, you know, they're like the final fight. Yeah. The the guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that he fights, um, it's, like a, it's like a series about him what how the karate kid fucked with his life it's got um it's got all the original actors in it and the the other guy like sets up another is it a dojo is that what they're called sets up another like fighting school um but it's got all the like the original actors in it but rather than following what's his name in karate kid the main guy the main character mr miyagi the main boy in it um rather than following his story it follows the other guy's story 
It looks really good. You should try it a bit. It's on. It's on. It's on YouTube. What the fuck's that about? I think you have to pay for it to watch it. But of course you do. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure that director of True Detective. I was talking about something else. I'll have a look. That's um, the end of my weekly roundup. So. But yeah, I saw. Can I ask you a question about Maniac? You said yes. that the pill comes in three parts. Is it specifically for people that are taking de- uh, are suffering from depression? Because you said it. You replay a significant event in your life like a, and then it erases it but what if the most it, significant it doesn't erase event, it it helps you deal with it but what if the most significant event in your life was a good thing or i don't think nobody? that's the sort of person that would be taking the pill because they had right, okay they had to have like a assessment test right, to like okay. get through to the trial it wasn't just anyone off the For street the sakes, what if it was someone's wedding day or something <laughs> um okay cool so that's a that's a long uh, two weekly roundup, and I'm afraid to say mine's just as long. But we've already covered some of them, so. Oh, Beast of No Nation. He's also directed. No, it's not. It's something new. But I've, I'm Maniac, sh- Beast of No Nation, True Detective, a short film called Sleepwalking in the Rift, Jane Eyre, Sin Nombre. No, has he got something? Something that he's working on. Has he got he, like in production stuff? He's working on Bond Twenty Five. No. Joe and Jadin Bell, Noble Assassin, Shockwave, The Black Count, The American, and Untitled Project. No. Okay, then. Maybe I'm thinking someone else. Um, okay, then. So, um, I have good news, Terry. You'll be pleased to know I got to the end of season four of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, started again? I did start again. But I think I talked about that last episode. Obviously, it was cancelled, and then someone else picked it up again. So, season five isn't on um, Netflix; it's on Amazon. Um, but luckily, because my housemate's so amazing, she's downloaded it for me to watch. Um, but because I don't understand technology, I can only watch it uh, when she's at home to supervise me. <laughs> um, because she's put it on one of these stick things, um, and we watch our TV through the Xbox. So, two things that baffle me completely. Um, so, I've watched the first episode of uh, season five of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, and I've also just found out that American Horror Story Cult has gone on to Netflix. Um, yeah, I don't I know when that went that. on, um, but I've just started watching that, um, which I don't mind. It's quite, it's quite good. I think the first episode was probably my favourite. Um, but I do really like American Horror Story. Um, I've only seen series one. For the most part, I really like it. Even the shit series, I enjoy um so yeah this list looks like it's going to be interesting um and yesterday um was the first live show of strictly what's that sonia um now obviously this time last year this podcast didn't even exist so people listening might not fully appreciate how obsessed i become with strictly every year so from now until christmas this will basically be my life so my weekly roundups might drop off massively because strictly is on every day um and the lot and the saturday show is bloody long because i watched it for the first time yesterday yeah but it was, it was slightly different yesterday because they've is the first show is always really stretched out but also they've got all the dancers as well and they've all got to do a dance as it goes on not every episode is that long but um yeah you have the main show on a saturday you have the results on a sunday then you've got it takes two monday to friday so i watch strictly every day um 
so yeah weekly roundups from me are going to be very short going forward dan has said that i'm not allowed to talk about strickers on here so um danny john jules to win oh my god yeah danny john what jules a suit. He was so amazing. Um, He'll always be cat to me. Yeah, and he danced to Top Cap. Anyway, Dan said, I'm not allowed to talk about Strictly. If you want to know my thoughts on Strictly, you can follow me on Instagram at Bloody Mallory, not Mallory underscore watches. It will be on my main um, Instagram, Bloody Mallory. Sorry, Dan, but, you know, we talk about film and TV and it's TV and there's film and TV people taking well, part. Well, Doctor Who's so, back soon as well, so I'll oh just my be God, pissing yeah. myself about that. Yeah, Have I'll you seen the trailer for that, the, the proper trailer that dropped this week? I haven't. Oh, it looks so good. Um, she looks like she's going to... Re- Did you see the video I tagged you in on Twitter as well? Oh, so um, I deleted Twitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Um, no, I didn't. So okay. at the end, we don't need to give out my Twitter because I took it off. Okay, so it's just a video of her... I think it's become popular on America shows where she reads. she's reading out tweets from when she was announced to people saying how shit she is. It's mm. her reading out. And she literally she just goes like, all right. <laughs> you haven't even seen me do it yet. But yeah. she... she I mean, I love her anyway, but yeah. to see her doing that, it's just like, she is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely watch that. Um, I haven't deleted my Twitter account, I've just deleted it off my phone. Okay, I was going to say, was has something gone awry there? No, no, no. Um, so, yeah, going back to uh, my weekly roundup then. Um, obviously, last week we pulled rom-coms out of the hat, um, and... Lucy, my housemate, uh, was very keen that I sit and watch. She said, ooh! one of my favourite films is a rom-com we'll sit and watch it together and I think it's possibly the first time where Lucy and I have completely disagreed on something like this because she said to me she said this is one of mine and my sister's favourite films and we watched the film The Sweetest Thing together oh god I've I've had to endure a part of it I left the room it's got um, Cameron. Cameron Diaz um, Christina Applegate and Selma Blair in it as like three um, friends or do they all live together I think they all live together don't they I can't remember Um, and it's it's basically the story of them trying to find love so when the film starts Selma Blair's just been dumped by her long term boyfriend Christina Applegate's character I think Uh, she reminded me a bit of a a sort of Samantha from Sex and the City where she just sort of goes out and has sex with guys rather than getting in relationships promiscuous and then then I think the Cameron Diaz character um, is afraid of commitment I I think that's what the the premise was anyway but essentially the three of them are kind of like looking for the perfect guy I guess Um, I I found it to be uh not funny i found it to be really cringy there's a song in it which i was i was dying inside watching it i was reaching for the what, they were singing slippers. a song or... they actually broke out into a musical number in like a chinese restaurant or something the dick song it, no. it was mortifying it's so awful where they <laughs> i'm actually doing this <laughs> so they just start singing this song about i'm not even going to go into it it's it just it's it'll be on youtube or something and it was so awful like it, it was just making me it was making me despair for womankind watching it i was just <laughs> like what the fuck is this um and when it had finished i honestly thought to myself that's 90 minutes of my life i'm never going to not get going back. in your top five then i I didn't like any of the characters. I found their behaviour um, 
just vulgar and just I, I honestly found that it had no redeeming features and I and I was I was shocked because obviously Lucy really likes it and I really I was just watching it just thinking that I, I sat through this because you like it so much did you think she really, was taking the piss at some point she was just trying to make you watch a shit film maybe especially when they started singing that song and I was just like nobody thinks that about penis trust me I, nobody I, I don't believe anyone feels that way about penis but anyway so, I really want to see this song now. Um, maybe you maybe you can share a link on your Twitter. Um, maybe if you can, I'll see if I can find the song. Um, but anyway, it's like laughably bad. Yeah. But I wasn't laughing; I was cringing. Um, then I went to um, I think this was an unlimited screening, Mile Twenty Two, the new yeah, Mark I, Wahlberg film. I was unable to make it, and apparently I got off lightly. Um, I thought it was really boring. Um, I was proper nodding off during it, and now I'm known to nod off during a film anyway because it's dark and you're sat down and you're comfy, and I'm likely to get ready for bed. Um, but I was genuinely a little bit bored, um, and. Like I said, I was nodding off a little bit. And every time I opened my eyes, they still seem to be shooting people in the corridor. Um, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg's character um, is quite an arsehole. And I quite liked that. Um, but it's, it's about a, a team of... I don't even know. if Covert team or something. They in, work in the for trailer. like a government agency or something. The only thing I've taken in the trailer is that John Malkovich looks weird with hair. Um. Yeah, maybe. Um, and there's there's like a double double agent in it. It's just I've given away a massive plot twist there by saying those <laughs> words, but I, d- I don't care because yeah, it was really boring. I've heard nothing um, good about it. Then I watched my Kex file. Um, and then I watched the film The Changeling. Um, not oh, just hit the mic there. Sorry about that. Not the um Angelina film, which is actually very good as well. Now, this is interesting because I found out the meaning of the word changeling by um, looking up these two films. Now, I watched the old uh, George C. Scott films from 1980. Um, And the reason I watched it is because it recently came out in a snazzy Blu-ray edition. Like a really nice... Yeah, really, really nice um, box. I'm always intrigued um, when these things are given such a special sort of like Blu-ray or 4K release. I... I'm intrigued to sort of see what the, the film is like. Um, so I, of course, I picked up a cheap DVD copy. Um, and it's, it's it's essentially like a haunted house story. Um, George C. Scott, um, his wife and daughter are killed. Um, he's a composer. Um, his wife and daughter are killed um, in a traffic accident. And he um, sells his house um, and decides to move into this other house somewhere else to sort of help get over his grief. But it's a it's a massive old house like why on earth he's living there on his own i don't know but essentially there's a there's it's just a haunted house story um but i found out that changeling i believe means like when a child is swapped um because i think the angelina film yeah there's a degree of that her son is returned to her but she's just like this is not my son and um that's that's basically part of what happens in the changeling but there's there's some genuinely like creepy scenes in it um he's such a twat um i mean 
Dan doesn't like it when we eat, and we're not. We're never going to eat on the podcast again because of the, of the noise it makes. But Vince doesn't my, give a my fuck. cat that I'm looking after is determined to find the noisiest things in the house and play with them while we're doing this. But anyway, going back to the changeling, there's some really cool, genuinely creepy scenes in it. Um, and there's a wheelchair. Yeah, because that's on the it. cover, that's isn't it? That's on the cover, yes. Yeah, so I'm not giving anything away by saying there's a wheelchair in it, but there's some scenes in the changeling um, which really reminded me of scenes in Rocky Horror, which, of course, I was talking about last episode with comfort films, where there's a scene where the, the wheelchair is moving along the landings of the house, like, quite quickly on its own. And there's scenes in Rocky Horror where Dr. Scott's in his wheelchair being moved along the landing, and it's almost exactly the same scene, and I just wondered if... Uh, it, borrowed Maybe. from that but anyway um if you like a nice creepy yeah, ghost story that um i thought it was really good i also really really like george c scott because i really like his voice he, uh, a christmas carol with him in it is my favorite he's my favorite scrooge because of his uh, really nice voice um then i watched a film called blue money so funnily enough talking about rocky horror this uh, uh it's got tim curry in it it's an old tv movie um mm. and i really feel like it was um a film that could just kind of like highlights his singing and impersonation skills um it just seems to be like a showcase for that it's just a story about a guy he's a, a taxi driver or yeah he's a taxi driver he's not a driver he's a taxi driver and one of his regular clients leaves a, a briefcase full of money on the back seat and he decides to nick it and it's basically then what happens after he's oh, stolen okay. this money and he's trying to get away with the money but he meets various people along the way. One of them, one of the people he meets is Billy Connolly's character, um, who then tries to come after him to get the money. And he's got like a, a guy that he does jobs with who realises that he's got this money and he also tries to come after him to get some money. The guy that he stole the money off of obviously tries to get the money back. And this all comes back and forth. But it's just a really weird film where Tim Curry's character spends a lot of the time singing because he's trying to like break into showbiz. All oh, right, okay. Um, but it honestly just seems to be a showcase for Tim Curry. And oh, look at the amazing impersonations he can do. Maybe do you it know was. what I mean? Um, Hot off the heels of Rocky Horror. Um, but essentially, a reason I would say a very forgettable film. Yeah. Um, then I watched a film called In Fear, which is one, the one that I showed you that oh, I yeah. picked up from Kex because it's from the makers of sightseers was oh, it yeah. sightseers or sightseeing that's no, sightseers if you're um, on about the weird caravan, caravanning film, film yeah. yeah um so this is a story about um a young couple they've only been going out a couple of weeks and um they're going to a music festival they're going to be camping but on the way there they stop off or they're going to stop off at a hotel for one night before they go to the festival and they get lost um, and it seems to be like they're going, they're driving around in circles. Um, the signs keep pointing. I might have seen this, like, you know, different ways or whatever. And then essentially they get f- followed by this guy who just, um, you know, is it Dan Stevens? Is that his real name? I don't, you know, I don't know who people are. I think I might have seen this. You've got know. the guy from Downton Abbey, you know? yeah. No, I've seen yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because the other character the the guy that he's tormenting is called Tom but 
the guy from Downton, his character's name is Tom in Downton Abbey. So that was oh, okay. uh, that confused was, you. That was it? messing with me massively. It's just like why can't they just keep the character name? Start where it's like he's like he's trying to help, and then he just yeah, yeah. progressively yeah, gets. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was that was yeah, okay. That was it's like a sort of like a nice like British horror. Um, it sort of like gave you you know the idea because they were driving down a lot of like single track lanes, and that's one of my like. I, I hate driving yeah. down single track lanes. I would go massively out of my way to avoid them. So that feeling of claustrophobia you get when you're driving down those kind especially of lanes. Especially at night. Especially at night when you've got the bushes and the trees all growing up um, either side of the road. And it really made, it's all really like closed in and horrible. Um, and plus, I really hate being lost as well. So um, that kind of played on some of my fears. Um, but no, I thought it was good. It was decent. The the only thing I would say is the the lead girl in it because there's really only three leads in it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's three people. There's the couple, and then there's the guy chasing it. But the girl's just got this really fucking annoying scream, like you know, you know, in in films, um, certainly in a lot of horror films, where you'd be like, so you'd be like, oh my god, there's someone behind you, there's someone behind you, but they kind of half shout, half scream it, yeah. and it's constant, like everything that comes out of her mouth seems to be this half shout, half scream, and you're just like. Oh, I just shout love because the screaming's getting on my nerves a little bit. I, I just found her a little bit grating. I, I say it's been a long time mm. since I've seen it. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, but a fa- fairly solid uh, horror film, I thought. Um, or suspense slash yeah. thriller. Um, then I watched a film that they recommended on the Arrow video podcast, The Queen of Spades, which is an old film from 1949. Mm-hmm. It's about this... Um, um, woman who essentially like sells her soul to someone or other to to always win at this card game so she can win a load of money. But then this other and she, but she's re- really old now. You know she's she's got all this money. Um, she's basically on the verge of death. And this other guy comes along and basically wants the secret from her. Um, and he tries to get the secret from her and whilst he's doing that she happens to die yeah. um he didn't kill her but she happens to die but then he, she then is haunting him what's quite interesting is you never actually see her ghost but you just see little um things happen that are clearly like signs from her yeah or he's seeing them as signs from her um there's it's it's quite slow and then towards the end, there's like a final card game, which is almost like a sort of version of Snap. Um, so ba- it's like you basically pick a card and have it face down. And then you've got a, the other person who's like the dealer, I guess. And they, they turn the other cards over one at a time. And they kind of go, my card, your card. And if they say your card and it matches the card that you've picked out for yourself, then you win the pot. But if it's upside down, if it's face down, how do you know if you... Well, because as you pick your card, you know what it is, but you put it face down so oh, the dealer okay. doesn't so you've know seen what it, it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a sort of like simple game. Just a, there's no skill involved. It's just chance, obviously, because they're just turning the yeah. cards over one at a time. Um, but the, the, the sort of climax of the film, if you like, is this, this game of cards at the end. But it seems to be over in no time. Do you know what I mean? It's building up yeah. and building up and building up to this, and then it's over. Um but yeah, I quite enjoyed that. Um, it looked amazing. Um, and it was quite creepy. I, I kind of feel sometimes these older ghost stories have a sort of... 
the, the less you see is yeah and the reason you don't see it is because they didn't have cgi and stuff so yeah. they, they had to do that and yeah it's definitely creepier um and i always find them a little bit creepier in black and white as well oh 100 uh really nice then i saw predator which we know what i think of that then i watched something which we're going to cover in the next episode watch simple favor then i watched when harry met sally that top 15 um uh, I, I don't think i don't think it was because we're talking top grossing i yeah, think yeah i don't think it was because no nah, it's not so i watched when harry met sally for the first time um i really really enjoyed it i like meg ryan as a rom-commer um have you seen when harry met sally no um i nearly picked it as my kex file well i nearly picked it i picked it up and thought about having it as a kex file but then i kind of i picked it up and i thought it's one of those films that i'd probably like as yeah. in my collection um and it is one that i'll probably so i'm sure i've been present when it's been on obviously everyone knows the famous scene yeah i mean but... i've seen the famous scene or certainly seen pictures of it but i don't yeah i've certainly seen that scene um but I've, I've definitely never seen the film before but i mean what i really liked about this film um how harry and sally meet when they're like college or something like that and they they don't get on at all sally doesn't like harry anyway but then they meet later on and they become friends and they're friends for so long and then eventually they they fall in love or they realize that they sort of like love each other but they've been friends for like 12 years or something like this so they've had this really long friendship and then at the end they they fall in love um spoilers well i mean i think everyone knows what happens in i mean it's a fucking rom-com for a start um i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna give myself that because it is from 1989 so so we're all coming up to 30 years old now yeah um I, I, I don't know i think maybe because i myself have so many male friends and i'm saying i think i said to lucy when i was watching i was thinking i wonder if this will ever happen to me i don't think it will um we're coming up 12 years soon <laughs> fucking won't um but it was i could kind of almost relate to their sort of like certainly when they went on dates at the other they didn't approve of their dates mm. because i know that i can be quite judgy about stuff like that and i know that some of in turn some of my male friends will be very open in sort of like that's a nice guy or that's that guy's a dick you know because you it's just how you are with your mates but also i think they you know obviously with harry and sally it's a little bit different because they've clearly got feelings for each other but they don't realize them yeah. a lot later on um but you know films like that you can kind of see why they stand the test of time because they're just very nice yeah do you know what i mean there's nothing offensive in them there's no sort of like crudeness there's no sort of like gratuitous sex scenes or anything like that. it's just nice you know yeah. um you know there's no like cheating going on or anything like that they're just two people that sort of like and mates and they behave so when one of them is with someone else they kind of like behave themselves and they don't act on their feelings you know and it all happens at the right time and stuff like that i thought it was really nice um it nearly made it into my top five um and then the last then i saw the snowman then the last film that i saw the which i just watched as a rom-com because we used it as our picture for the 
um, for our Instagram for posts, but also it's the one that I mentioned last week when you said about no strings attached and I said about friends with benefits, yeah. which I didn't realise at the time when we were talking about it, but they were essentially the same film. Yeah, and they came out at the same time as well. Which is ironic as well, because one's got Ashton Kutcher in and one's got Mila Kunis, and they're a couple now, aren't yeah, they? they are. um, but I plumped for friends with benefits, mainly because I don't really like Natalie Portman, but also because it's got Justin Timberlake in it. And I really like him. I loved this film. Like, really, really loved it. Um... I thought that the uh, the chemistry between the two leads was really good. Have I've you seen, seen it? it, but I can't really remember it. Um, and what's really funny is at the start, Mila Kunis uh, is going out with uh, uh, Jake Peralta, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, and Justin's going out with Emma Stone. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, but then, you know, Justin and Mila Kunis meet through work, um, you know and they kind of like hang it like she's kind of like inviting him to things because he's new to the city then they come up with this like well i don't like you like that well i don't like you like that but we both want to have sex so let's have sex together and they, they have this relationship that seems to work like that for quite a long time but then it becomes apparent that you know one or both of them have feelings so and it just sort of like plays out like that again like there's nothing um when when Mila Kunis starts a starts a relationship, starts dating someone else, you know, Justin steps back, and there's times when they're they're not doing it because it doesn't feel right, and it I don't know, like it just seems like they're doing it properly, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's, there's loads of sex in it, um, none gratuitous, but um, but it's really funny. That so the a key thing that um that I was looking at for rom coms as well. I find a lot of rom-coms are more charming than yeah. funny. They're just kind of like more like, oh, you know? Yeah. Whereas um, Friends with Benefits, I actually found funny. So it was romantic, air quotes there. And um, comedic. And I I thought, I mean, we know that Mila Kunis is a, a comedy actress anyway. Um, but Justin, I don't think I've really, I don't think I've seen a film with him in before. I've seen or a few. Maybe I have, but I thought he was very funny. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, um, and I'll probably keep it in my collection. I'll probably watch it again and again. It nearly made my top five because I liked it that much. I think with rom coms, it's one of those things where even good ones you sort of forget about them. Because like when I was compiling my top five, I sort of wrote it, and then when I went through Gemma's folder of Doom, I was like, "Oh fuck, that film! I love that film!" Mm. So it's like one of those. It's almost like. Your top five could always be the five that you just happen to remember because there's so many of them out mm. there. And I'm not saying, oh, you just forget about them, but I feel like with some films, like with an action film, there's something that will stick out in your mind. With a horror film, there's like, but like you say, with you don't, I don't really remember funny things, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'll forget about them. Then what, when I watch them again, I see them as funny. So I think that's maybe why, because you've said like two things nearly made your top five. Mm. And say, so, and mine changed loads throughout the last two weeks as I was watching things. See, mine, mine didn't really... My top five, after we picked the subject, my top five was pretty much written in stone. Um, I think three of mine have stayed, but two of them chopped and changed quite a bit. And it was... it was Honestly, it was only after watching Friends with Benefits, I thought, oh, do you know what? I, I do actually really... I did really enjoy this. And I'd, probably, I'd probably watch it again. Um... But the the films in my top five are films I've watched quite a lot, so 
then it's not there yet. You know, ask me again in like five years if Friends with Benefits is in my <laughs> top five rom-coms and I'll be like, yeah, I've watched it 20 times, then maybe. But um, for now, it's just it, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I just thought it was really decent. It has made me want to watch No Strings Attached as well, just to see how exactly the same they are. And I have seen both. Basically, and obviously, I compare. prefer No Strings Attached. Yeah, but, but oh, even as a couple, I just think Justin and Mila are more appealing to me as a couple. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big Aston Kutcher fan, but... Mm. Um, what else? Are you jealous? <laughs> yes, Can I fucking am. Um, you got paid to do that. So that's um, probably, probably our biggest weekly roundup um, to date. Um, what do you want to do now, Terry? We're sitting at uh, about an hour and ten minutes if we cut out Vince's shenanigans. Yeah, I reckon we could knock out our top fives, like we said. Yeah, so Terry and I are going to go through our top fives. I think you should go first because I've just talked quite a lot. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about our top fives um, and then next episode... We're going to have the absolute joy, because there's some fucking stinkers in it, of going through the top 15 grossing rom-coms. There's some real surprises in there. Oh, fuck off, Vince. He's going for me headphone cable. Your headphone cable? Dan's, well, Dan's headphone, headphone cable. cable. Um, Vince, leave it. He doesn't normally chew cables. We should be all right. He's chewing this one. The love of God. He's never <laughs> chewed a cable before. Vince, leave. Give him a little nudge with your foot. He might bite. He's gone for me. I've done the tetanus for a while. So I'll, I'll hang it up. It'll be all right. He's looking Give at it. me with cold, accusing eyes. Yeah, he takes after his mother. Um, <laughs> t- um, tell us your top five. Leave him alone. Stop taunting him with your cable. <laughs> I've pulled the cable out of the way. You want my right, Dan, things? you might want to chop some of this out. Um, Keep it in its gold. <laughs> So yeah, so my top five, I mean, I don't think it's really in a one to five or a five to one. It's just five films that a couple of them I immediately thought of. One of them I'd forgotten about completely, but as soon as I remembered, it went straight in. And then a a couple of them have come and gone. There's a bit of a variation. There's some newer ones. There's some older ones. There's some from my childhood. So we'll just go as I've written them. So the first one I'm going to say is Something's Got to Give which is a bit different because it's got an older cast. So it's Jack Nicholson, Diane Keaton are like the rom-com couple as it would be in this film. Um, And then you've got Amanda Peet, Keanu Reeves. Uh, Francis McDormand is also in it. Why can't I put... Yeah, you keep talking. I'm going to look up the cover because I can't even picture it So it starts off with... So Jack Nicholson, strangely enough, is playing a bit of a player. So he's a... um, Oh, what's worked for, he's a record company exec and he's it says pretty early on in the film he's got a reputation for going with 30 somethings and obviously in the film he's 70 something he's with Amanda Pete they're going off to her mother's beachside house in the Hamptons to like have a, a sort of naughty weekend she's been keeping him waiting and like this is the weekend where he's finally going to get his hands on her they arrive at the house they have a bit of the sort of a little bit of playtime they don't get down to it and then her mother arrives played by Diane Keaton and her sister played by Frances McDormand and then it becomes a little bit awkward because obviously it's clear that he's there to bang the, to have sex with the daughter they know it he knows it and there's awkwardness about it they decide that we're adults we can all be in the same house together we'll do our thing you do our thing your thing maybe we'll have dinner or something together so they sort of try and go about being normal but it doesn't work very well 
there's a sort of clash between Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton. So it's like he's a successful radio executive amongst other businesses. She's a world-renowned playwright who's trying to write her next play. Um, so that one night they're having dinner, a sort of, not an argument ensues, but a heated discussion ensues. And he's like, all right, I'm going to bed. They go to bed. The daughter follows and they're like... And then, like, Marvin Gaye kicks in in the bedroom and they're just sat there like, oh, my God, like, he's about to have sex with my daughter. What's going on? And then you hear the daughter start to scream and they're like, oh, my God. She's like, Mum, Mum. It's like, and they look at each other like, should she be shouting Mum when she's in bedroom? And they run in. Essentially, Jack Nicholson's having a heart attack. Um, so he's rushed to hosp- the local hospital where Keanu Reeves is a doctor. Good grief. Um He's actually he's sort Here's of, where it comes becomes unbelievable. He's like the charming guy, so he immediately recognizes Diane Keaton as like this playwright and clearly fancies her. And there's a, there's a lovely little line where he's like saying to Jack Nicholson, right, "I'm going to give you this drip. I just need to know have you taken Viagra tonight?" And Jack Nicholson, of course not, because the the women can all see him. Of course, I haven't taken Viagra. And he goes, "Oh well, that's good because if you had taken Viagra, the drugs I'm about to kick." to give you would kill you and then you have Jack Nicholson reaching out to rip this drip out of his arm as quick as he can before any of these drugs hit his system so he doesn't much like being in hospital there's a lovely bit where he's high on drugs and he's walking around in a hospital gown with his ass hanging out the back very well done for, um, he's not one you think of for sort of physicality but the way he sort of staggers around with his ass hanging out is genuinely very funny I want to see this now. Uh, it's so good. It was actually um, Diane Keaton was actually Oscar nominated. I'll just, for her I'll part. just add a quick because I could not picture the film, so I've just looked up the cover, and of course I know what it is. Yeah. Um, so it's quite an old one. I think it's like early two thousands. But yeah, I saw that there was quite a lot of Oscar nominations. How old is the Amanda Peet character, and how old is Jack Nicholson? So he's in his seventies, and she's in her thirties. But I'd say there is a point in the film where they say about how he's got this reputation for going for thirty somethings, mm. and it's just because he's got the money, because he's got the power sort of women fall for mm. it so he has this heart attack and he obviously wants to get out of hospital because he, he doesn't want to be there and Keanu Reeves agrees that he can go out of hospital but he needs to stay somewhere nearby and basically somehow Diane Keaton ends up with Jack Nicholson living in her spare room despite the fact that at this point they hate each other so he moves back in everything like all of his like assistants and stuff turn up and she's like oh this is hell and then they all go and she's left alone with him including the daughter who has to go back to her job and that's when it then becomes more of a generic rom-com with the two of them actually getting to know each Mm. other realizing that they do have stuff in common so he's very much a he's never been with a woman who's older than 30 he's never been married she's a divorcee obviously with a daughter and it's just them sort of slowly get to know each other she goes on a few dates with Keanu Reeves's doctor and there's a bit of yeah it <laughs> in a way it's weird there is full frontal nudity from Diane Keaton as well because Jack Nicholson accidentally walks in on her in a in a genuine accidentally nearly walks into her so this is the uh second film in a week that you've watched with what can only be described as geriatric full frontal nudity <laughs> yeah is there something that you're not telling us <laughs> I like them wrinkly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But, I mean, like you said, this is just a nice film. So it is genuinely funny. There is some lovely banter between the two of them. So they go on, like, dates. They just hang around the house together. There's a power cut. Um, They do sort of get together, but that's only sort of the midway point of the film, and then stuff contrives to pull them apart, and it's, will they get back together? Will they not get back together? But it's just... 
it's just really nice so it's not i wouldn't say like hysterically funny you're not like bent over double crying with laughter mm. but there are lots of nice chuckles and it's just so the cast is just really really good so francis Solid, mcdormand yeah. as the sister just has like a few little bits in there and obviously i like looking at keanu reeves and basically <laughs> everyone loves him in this film but so is amanda pete diane keaton's daughter in this? yes okay so that's a bit weird so when diane keating and jack nicholson are sort of maybe getting together, so they've split up by this point yeah it's still a bit weird isn't it they'd never done they never had sex that's again made clear because that would be weird apparently if they had but the fact they um, haven't is okay but anyway but any anyhow with diane keating and jack nicholson possibly getting together does that mean amanda pete and uh, keanu get together no okay no keanu only has eyes for diane keating i'm afraid okay um, but no, just a really nice film. It's one that I think me and Jen might have gone to see at the cinema because it was on and genuinely really liked it. I've got it on DVD. It's not in the folder of Doom. Ooh. Um, but yeah, it's just... I mean, it's quite long. I think it's over two hours. That's the one thing that really struck yeah. me with rom-coms. We were surprised, I thought they'd we? be 90-minute jobs, but virtually They're every fucking, fucking one on that list is two hours long. Fucking livid. One of them, one of the films, which we'll get to next episode, Lucy pointed out, was epic length. As in, it, it was so long. I was just like, I can't believe I'm going to have to sit through this. But um, I'll have a lend to that. Sounds good. Yeah, no, very good. Um, so, don't want to go too much. So, then the next one on my list is No Strings Attached. So, as we've just said, it came out at the same time as Friends with Benefits. You've got Aston Kutcher and Natalie Portman. So, I didn't watch... How, th- did, how did they meet? I'm just trying to remember because I didn't re-watch this because there was other things I needed to watch. But... So I think he's just had a break. Oh no, so that's it. They've sort of known each other throughout their lives because it starts off with them as kids and he literally just turns around to her and is like, can I finger you? Um, nice. Not kids, kids, like obviously like teenagers. And then it, it sounds cuts... like one of my Bumble dates. <laughs> uh, and then it's Lol. sort of... So they meet each other a few times and then there's one night where he's he gets really drunk. He's just split up with his girlfriend and he wants no his ex-girlfriend has got together with his dad played by kevin klein um so he's like really upset so he's like ringing around all like his numbers in his phone trying to basically get a booty call and he ends up with natalie portman and <laughs> ends up with natalie portman <laughs> i know the dregs if only i could end up with people like that but anyway yeah. um so he wakes up he's not quite sure what's happened he slept on the sofa he can't remember because she lives with two other women and a guy and all of them pretend that they've had sex with him when oh, they... I think I've and he's laid on the this. sofa and like this girl comes in and goes thanks for last night and he's like oh god and then the guy comes in oh you were so good last night and he's like oh my god how drunk was i um and essentially they decide again like in friends with benefits that they're going to have a relationship where they're just going to use each other for sex and we, it goes into a montage of like literally any nut time she's a trainee nurse and he he works on a TV show because his dad is a famous... He did a sitcom in the 70s and he's like really famous and he lives off of that and he wants to make his own name for it. So it literally just cuts Was up. there a sex montage in the middle? Yeah, basically. that's what Friends with Benefits is Basically, got, yeah. yeah. It's a, a montage of like, come now. And like he turns up at work, she turns up at his work and they literally have sex in a cupboard and then walk out. Um, the thing I quite liked about this, which is a bit different, it's Aston Kutcher that has the thing of, no, I love you. And she's very much no we're just fuck buddies i'm not interested in a relationship love shit 
I'm not interested because her parents have split up and she's just very anti-love. And then it becomes like Aston trying to woo her into like the second half of the film. Um, There's an amazing scene, which for me combines two of my favourite things, Natalie Portman and food. (laughs) Apparently it's a thing in America where you can buy donut holes. What? So I'm assuming they make them separate, obviously, but it's obviously just like donuts that are like little circular bits, which would be the middle of a ring donut. And she buys a box of them. She's driving and just stuffing them in her Donut face. holes. Yeah. Surely that's like an air guitar. <laughs> this place sells a bit. She's literally just driving along, singing along to a song, stuffing her face with them. Uh, one part of the um, the wooing is she's on her period. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns up and she's like, fuck off on my period. And obviously everyone in the house is synchronised, including the fat gay guy who's, who's got hormonal. But he, he's made her a mixtape and it's like Leona Lewis bleeding love and like it's sort of a period themed CD. <laughs> That's part of the wooing process. Yeah, she really likes it. Well. Um, but yeah, it's just, say so it's, I mean, possibly Natalie Portman is the main reason why I like it and you don't often see her play comedy. No. Which I think in this film, she's actually quite good. So she was actually on board as a producer for a long time and they couldn't find the right actress and in the end she just stepped in get the film made so it mm. wasn't necessarily something she wanted to do but so i think they've got decent chemistry as i say i spend most of the film going you cunt aston you're being paid to do this to her um i don't think they were really having sex obviously not but he is actually kissing her and yeah. he is actually laying on top of her on a bed um <laughs> <laughs> oh. and i bet he's got half wood if not forward let's not lower um, the tone so anyway yeah so actual bits where it actually makes me like properly laugh in this film because there's obviously men that come and go that are trying to get to Natalie and he is obviously trying to see them off and they again where they're going into the dates he's trying to be a bit kooky and stuff which sometimes works sometimes doesn't but yeah just enjoyable so the next one is a blast from the past so we're, we're heading back to the early 90s while you were sleeping oh, starring Sandra beautiful. Bullock and as Family Guy says forgettable 90s actor Bill Pullman um, <laughs> So this is a very odd film. I, 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 I don't think I've seen it, but I just love the 90s cover of the DVD. Oh, it's so 90s, yeah. the cover. So Sandra Bullock plays a person who works in a toll booth at a train station. They're like, don't do that. She's fallen in love with... We don't know his name at the point she falls in love with. He comes to her booth every day and she's just like besotted with him. She's working Christmas because she's the only person without family, so she sort of gets bullied into working Christmas so other people can spend it with their family. And he actually says Merry Christmas and she's lost for words. He stood at the platform. Someone robs him and he's knocked onto the tracks. She runs out and he's unconscious on the tracks. She jumps down and she's like trying to wake him up and there's an oncoming train. So she like essentially saves his life. Hmm. He's rushed to hospital. She goes with him. Obviously, she's not allowed past the doors because she's not family. And she just sort of mumbles to herself, oh, I was, I was going to marry him, obviously like in her head she'd planned the wedding someone overhears it and takes her past when the family turn up they obviously have no idea who Sandra Bullock is because she's no one to this family like well who are you oh that's the person that saved it and someone's going well she shouldn't be here she's not family and then this nurse who would miss her said oh no she's the fiance so Sandra Bullock is now trapped in this lie with this family that she is the fiance of this comatosed man Mm. and then it's basically she she doesn't know what to do does she tell them does she not tell them because almost immediately upon meeting the family, you find out that grandma has a weak heart. 
<laughs> uh, and Grandma Strandy is played, well, not Strandy, she's an actress, is played by. <laughs> <laughs> is played by the mother from Mary Poppins. Oh, lovely. Um, bit of a drunk in this film, <laughs> not, not not in the real life. Um, but yeah, so. Is that why she's got a weak heart? Possibly. Um, so she meets this family and obviously it's set around Christmas so they're like oh like you have to come for, like we didn't get to have Christmas because obviously this has happened we're having it tomorrow you have to come we have to meet you because they just take it as read that she is the fiance because who the fuck would lie about that <laughs> um, so yeah you've got like the mum and the dad the grandma this the godfather not Marlon Brando his godfather <laughs> um, another younger girl and then Bill Pullman is the other brother um so she basically ends up entwined with this family. The godfather f- overhears her, so he knows that she's not who she says she is. And he's like, you can't tell them. Like, you'll destroy them. Like, they Because fi- we basically find out that Peter is the guy in the coma. He's a massive bellend, and he doesn't talk to his family. He's like a proper yuppie. He lives in the city. He thinks he's above everything. And he's like, you've given them back their son because they don't see him. And, like, they feel like they've reconnected to him by having you. Mm. And basically, unsurprisingly, something might happen between Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman's characters as they intertwine because he doesn't believe it because he sort of did keep in touch with his brother. So it starts off with him just like not believing her, trying to find out what's going on. Uh, she lives in this apartment building where this guy called Joe Jr., who is an absolute fucking moron, thinks that he's going out with her and like, he's in love with her, but he's just such a fucking idiot. and. Mm. There's just there's some lovely slipping scenes because it's set around Christmas so there's a lot of ice. Oh, slipping. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a beautiful bit where there's a guy cycling along throwing newspapers and as he throws it, the bike just completely stacks it. And it's one of those things where I like rewind play, rewind play, even though it's about five seconds. Yeah. But it's just, again, a lovely film. It's got a nice heartwarming feel because it's almost... The rom-com is almost like the whole family. Mm. She like falls in love with each member of the family. They fall in love with him and we see their eccentricities obviously at some point peter does wake up from his coma um bastard he does and everyone just assumes that he's got amnesia even though he can remember everything else including his social security number and some number from his college days Mm. he's got amnesia because he can't remember lucy who is like this great girl and it's just yes sandra bullock in the 90s obviously a lovely looking woman it's just yeah it's just really really nice it's one that Jem loves it's one because I think it came out around the same time as Speed, maybe a bit before, maybe mm. a bit after. So those sort of two were a bit on repeat for me in that era. Uh, so the next one is Crazy Stupid Love, which is yeah, a more recent which one. I meant to watch. So many people have recommended that. To so me. this is another one that's got like a great cast. So you've got Steve Carell and Julianne Moore, who were a couple. I love Julianne Moore. Ryan Gosling, Emma I love Stone, Ryan Gosling. Kevin Bacon. Um, who else is in there? But yeah, there's quite a few like... So you've got... The film opens with Steve Carell and Julianne Moore, who are a couple, out to dinner, looking at the dessert menu. He's very much like a man in his 40s, oversized jacket, shit jeans, shit trainers. She's sort of a bit dressed up. And he's like, oh, I just can't decide what to have. Should we Should we share? She's like, no, no, I don't want to share. He's like, he's like, okay, so we just, on three, we'll say what we want. One, two, three. He says, been off your pie. She says, I want a divorce. <laughs> That's literally the opening scene of the film. So he like goes into meltdown. It cuts to them in the car and she's just like waffle talking. She's like, can you please talk? Because you know if you don't talk, there's silence and I have to feel the silence. She then confesses that she slept with Pete... Oh, what's his name? Van Hagen. 
and he just and Steve Grove's just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. If you don't stop talking, I'm gonna get out of the car. If you don't stop talking, I'm get, and he just gets out of the moving car, <laughs> and then it just he moves out, and he starts going to this bar where Ryan Gosling like preys on women, should we say? He's not like a horrendous man, but he chats up women and takes them home from this bar. And he basically sees Steve Carell there and for whatever reason feels sorry for him and sort of takes him under his wing and says, like, meet me here. And he basically helps him buy new clothes, mm. teaches him how to sort of talk to women to sort of get... Because we find out through the course of the film that him and Julianne Moore have been together since they were kids. He's never had another woman in his life. Mm. He doesn't... When he's trying to chat up women, he's just talking about how his wife's left him and like is cheating on him with this other man. Um Emma Stone is a sort of separate thing before we see Ryan Gosling trying to chat her up and she's just like, go away, leave me alone. Um, so it follows that. So we see a bit with Julianne Moore. They've also got their son is in love with the babysitter and the babysitter is in love with Steve Carell. Oh my God. So there's a lot, again, there's a lot of different relationships going on, but they all do tie up quite nicely. There's, there's, a, I mean, I don't want to swear, but there's a scene towards the middle of the end where it's like, everything or all the characters come together mm. and it's just a proper sort of belly laugh for me anyway but yeah it's just so it's steve Carell becoming a womanizer ryan gosling meets a girl and sort of starts going the other way and he sort of mm. then seeks steve Carell's advice on how to be like a nice boyfriend rather than like a womanizer um and we see like because we see him in the bar chatting people up and obviously it's like about being a bit negative to girls like oh you're boring me let's move on and then you also there's a bit where he takes his top off and the girl he's with just turns around and goes oh my god are you photoshopped because obviously for this film he's got ridiculous abs yeah there's a bit where they're working out and at first it's Steve Carell focused on and he's doing like little dumbbells like that and um, Steve Carell's just like can you please like not do that in front of me and Ryan Gosling is literally doing like handstand push ups Mm. and just like out of nowhere and then it just cuts to them in the gym and Ryan Gosling stood with his foot up on the bench, <laughs> stark naked, and like Steve Carell was the only thing stopping us seeing Ryan Gosling's cock. <laughs> and he's literally just like talking to him. And Steve Carell's like, "Can you put that way?" He's like, "What? Does my penis in your face annoy you?" And he's like, so, "Well, if it doesn't, we've got a fucking problem, haven't we?" But it's just, it's just nice again. Hmm. It's, and this one is a proper laugher for me, but it's got proper emotions in it as well. Because obviously, with the breakup of the relationship, both of them have, "Do I want them back?" Am I happier now that we've moved on? And it's just say the massive, the brilliant cast with lesser people in it. Maybe it would have been a bit more generic, but mm. because you've got like proper actors and actresses in it, I feel like it carries a bit more. And then the last one on my list, and I feel like you might jump on me that this isn't a romantic comedy. Shaun of the Dead. Say your piece. So this was actually the advertising was a romantic comedy with zombies. Because at the heart of it, although it's got zombies in it, it is about Sean and I forget her name and his girlfriend girlfriend that he's trying to reconnect with. The film starts with him splitting up and the whole film is him trying to impress her to win her back. So there's your romance. And it's definitely full of lols. Yeah. Um, Possibly the funniest one on my list. But yeah, I mean, if you don't know what Sean of the Dead is, it is about a zombie apocalypse. Old-fashioned stumbling zombies. Um, I think breakout in central london sean has said just split up with his girlfriend him and his mate ed played by nick frost decide that they need to get somewhere safe his girlfriend split up with him because they spent all the time in the pub called the winchester and they decide that the safest place is to get to the winchester 
and it, the film obviously follows them. He has to go and get his mum and his stepdad, and then he has to go and get her. What is her name? It's really bugging me that I don't know it. What the girlfriend's name? Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then it's got again got a really good cast. So you've got Bill Nye as the stepdad, Lucy Davis as a friend, Dylan Moran, uh, very minor cameos from like Matt Lucas and um, Martin Freeman. Uh, Jessica Hines is in there as well. It's just so it's more of a comedy than a romantic comedy, but it is bloody funny and I it's a film that I can watch over and over again and it's definitely romantic. Okay, I am going to argue it's not a romantic <laughs> comedy, it's a horror comedy, but fine, I'll I'll let you have it because there is well, you've you've had it now. Um I it's not one that I would put into the romantic comedy genre, I would put it into the horror comedy genre, but fine. Fine. Yeah, but you would say it was a horror romantic comedy. No, I wouldn't say it was a horror romantic <laughs> comedy. I'd say it was a horror comedy, but fine. There's a boyfriend and a girlfriend in it. You can have it. Yeah, that. and they split up, and he's trying to reconcile. Yeah, okay. Um, so that's my top five. Um, cool. Um, so my mine are completely different. I quite like the fact that ours aren't the same because we didn't discuss these at all, did we? Um, and like I say, my list was pretty much set from uh, the get-go. There was just possibly a little bit of umming and ahhing. They're not really in a five, you know, one to five, but there was two films which... Um, so basically Notting Hill missed the cut. Um, and I chose... Uh, There's something about Mary instead, um, which... I don't, I don't know. It's just like... Do we want to cover that because that comes up on the next part? Oh, does it? Yeah. I didn't know it was in that list. Anyway, okay, so there's something about Mary which we'll be talking about more in depth in the next episode. Um, so my top five might actually be um, a little bit quicker to cover. Um, next on my list is Pretty Woman, which we'll be talking about next episode. <laughs> um, next on my list is Bridget Jones. No. Okay, so Bridget Jones... Um, I really, really love Bridget Jones. Um, I don't I, dislike it. I really love the book. Um, I love the books. Um, but the first one especially, I I really, really loved it. I love the character and I really think it's a good film version of a book. And I think that um, Renee Zellweger Was does... that the film that like broke her as like a big actress? <clears throat> I don't know. Um i really think she does a good bridget because i know when when it was like announced you know bridget jones is so british and you just think it's like sometimes you think to yourself why can't they get a british actor or actress to do this or why can't they get whoever to do this if it's you know such a sort of um i didn't know she wasn't british i'd not heard of her before bridget jones's diary oh okay i think i probably had um but I just think she she does it so well. I love her British accent in it. I especially love the way she says noble um, to Mark Darcy at one point. And I think, you know, um, Colin Firth as Mark Darcy is brilliant. I mean, Hugh Grant is brilliant in it. Um, you know, because this is his forte, really, isn't it? Yeah, he is but, Mr. Um, Romcom. Yeah. But, but Colin Firth in it as well as her sort of like Mr. Darcy is perfect. But I just think her as Bridget is brilliant. And I do think a lot of women can relate to Bridget. Um, it's that, one of Jem's favourites. And that, you know, the fucking diary that she keeps and, you know, when she puts her weight in it and stuff. I mean, it's so... I, 
I just think so many girls and women have done that at some point in their lives. Um, I, I love Bridget. I just think she's she's so she's just she's just perfect. She's just like, she's just like such a every everyday girl. And yeah, I I really love Bridget Jones. Um, but I I find and I think that quite a few of my rom coms, probably probably with the exception of um, there's something about Mary, the laughs are more on the charming side. Yeah. Rather than the mega lols um so just before you move on so that wasn't the film that broke she'd done jerry Maguire before that yeah. obviously that was infinitely yeah. um and then my my number one and my number two on that i've written down um really is sort of like level pegging so the the next one is love actually yeah, I'll argue with that. Um, so, Love Actually is one of my favourite Christmas films. To watch. It's normally the first Christmas film I watch every year. Um, I love Love Actually. I just think it's so... Um, it's it's just such a perfect film. You've got all the different sort of like characters that, this, whose stories are kind of like interwoven and there's, there's the right amount of tragedy... Mm. And I then, do like how they overlap without like fully overlapping. Yeah, Some yeah. of them literally just like touch. Yeah, exactly. And the the right amount of um, tragedy and then happy scenes and then comedy scenes, you know. So it's not yeah. all you know ridiculous. And again, it's not like it's not smutty or crude or anything like that. It's just it's just really happy and sad at the same time, which yeah. I which I really do think. I know romantic comedy, um, you know, one of the key words there is comedy, but I do think with a lot of rom-coms, there is an, a, an element, there's got to be a sad element in yeah. there as well. Um, there's got to be the heartbreak element, and I think that Love Actually has that in speeds. Another um, stellar cast as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely stellar cast, and Love Actually is the inspiration for putting Emma Thompson in the hat, because Emma Thompson in Love Actually oh, is possibly about as perfect as you can get. That's the heartbreak. And the scene with her and that fucking CD again it's just it's real life shit like that happens like and i'm not saying you know everyone's husband has an affair and gives them a shit present but um (laughs) it's just it's just it's just perfect i absolutely love it but then the 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 film that i wrote down as soon as we pulled rom-coms out the hat i wrote a film down in my thing and i thought this is my favorite rom-com it's the wedding singer um, I have seen it, but I just can't. <laughs> oh my god! Not a long time. It is so 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 good, and again, it's it's just, um, it's if you don't know the story of the wedding singer, it's about um Adam Sandler and his girlfriend uh, dumps him. He is a wedding singer, um, and he he does that brilliantly. And when he's going through his heartbreak, and he's he's singing the songs very sadly and very angrily at the weddings for a while that's absolutely brilliant but then he meets drew barrymore's character he's called julia um she's gonna marry this guy who hilariously his surname is gulia so she's gonna be julia gulia um and they you know they become friends and you know he he clearly likes her and in sort of like typical so what i think is a very typical rom-com storyline you have a couple that are together one of the couple and then someone else on the outside is attracted to or starts to fall to one member of that couple yeah? yeah but the couple are together so say in this case you've got drew barrymore and her fiance yeah they're a couple adam sandler's character comes along he's like i really like julia yeah 
but what am I going to do because she's getting married now very classic um, rom-com storyline would be that someone in that couple would do something wrong which then makes it okay for the other person to step in and in this case um, Drew Barrymore's fiance basically is just sleeping with other girls um, which then makes it okay for Adam Sandler to kind of like step in and kind of go, well, actually, yeah. I like you. There is an exception to that rule, um, which comes up in our top 15, which I thought was, which I'll talk about when we cover that film, um, which breaks that rule. Um, and I was just kind of like, it's a bit of a dick move. But um, the, we- the the wedding singer is in equal parts romantic and equal parts funny. I, I think it's the, the perfect rom-com really really brilliant really funny adam sandler is perfect in it drew barrymore is brilliant as often you hear that Julia adam Gullier. sandler perfect um he he is in this film it's, it's yeah it's a perfect film there's nothing wrong with the wedding singer what is that 90s it's got to be in it yeah that was like his Haley, happy gilmore things like that i just think it's great really really good so yeah that's my favorite rom-com so that's one of terry's favorite rom-coms um we d- we did ask for a bit of fit- so as I said last episode, rom-coms get poo-pooed and the proof was in the pudding when people were giving stupid fucking suggestions of films that clearly aren't rom-coms, but I'm going to ignore all of those. Um, there were some interesting ones. Um, the Ugly Truth came up a few times. Yeah, The Ugly Truth came up a lot. By far and away, the most um, mentioned film to me, uh, with the feedback that I got, people were sending in uh, messages and I put up a Facebook post, which I very rarely do, Um and people responded to that but The Holiday by far and away was the film that most mm. a lot so many people well, we mentioned had Bridget it. Jones made it on the comfort list as well um, but um, a couple of films that I've had my eye on seeing for quite a while which popped up on here um, one is About Time seen that um, decent that's more of a I would say that's a romantic, romantic drama yeah. with comedy rather than a rom- rom-com. I thought romantic drama when there's, I saw the There's trailer. some proper like heartbreaking stuff in that film. Um, music and lyrics. Yeah, I've seen that. Popped up. Which I mean, is that's, that's like your archetypal rom-com because it's Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore. Like the, potentially, I mean, he's possibly the king of the rom-com. She's, yeah. she's probably a princess. I don't think she's quite the... Qu- Jesus. Fuck me, Vince. Uh, I don't think she's the queen of rom-coms, but obviously she's done a lot of them. Um, he's like an ageing singer, and she's like a, a cleaner, I think. It becomes his muse. Some some decent bits. Fairly predictable, but like, decent enough. Yeah. Um, and another... Crazy Stupid Love was mentioned yeah. a couple of times, but another one which I've wanted to see was Me Before You. Uh, it's got... Um, oh, is that Sam Claffin and the, Amelia Clark? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that again drama with comedy so someone mentioned ghost train Ghost Train. the ricky gervais film ghost train yeah which is not one i know the film i don't know is anything that the one about people... it no that's the invention of lying ghost town do you mean oh maybe <laughs> so, um i have seen it but i can't remember it so that was an interesting one i thought um you shut up i think the problem with rom-coms and this is potentially especially now with like Netflix and Amazon Prime, potentially for every film, just a lot of them get churned out and that's mm. why they get a bad rep because there's so many pretty much... Fucking hell. <laughs> Note to <laughs> selves, never record with the cat here again. 
That was the cat jumping that was up a on horror... the table. Yeah, but I got in full frontal. <laughs> a cat just jumped at my face. Um, where was I? Yeah, so they're just churning up. I mean, pretty much every week there is another rom-com at the cinema and it is just like, I feel... I mean, I've said this before, films don't seem to get the time and attention they used to because there's so many studios, because there's so many ways for a film. They're not getting like the second script rewrite. They're not getting checked off by things. Mm. They're just... Oh yeah, this will do. This this will probably make us a hundred million. It's only cost us two million to make it. Let's bang it out. And I think that's the problem. Rom com is probably that and horror. But I feel like horror is easier to do on the cheap because a rom com is a very subtle balance. Yeah. Whereas a horror film could be dog shit, but have one good scare, and you'd call that a good horror film. Yeah. But a rom com, if it's mere with one decent laugh, you forget about it. Mm. So I feel like that's why it sort of is on the back foot, so to speak. Yeah. Um, cool. Right, we all done? All done. Because we on, need to sort this fucking cat out. All done out. on our rom-coms, yeah. Um, sweet. Right, so we're going to um, head off. We're going to come back uh, with a, uh, another episode for you next week. Um, talking about the top 15 grossing rom-coms. Um, and uh, Vince won't be with us for that one. <laughs> um, Terry, John, do the social media stuff. Social media. So we are Theatrical Cut Pod on the Instagram. That's where we do most of our work on there. We, we'll post what we're looking for for our new episode. We'll post up little bits and pieces. Uh, I did put up the picture of John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John and the Screaming Corpse last week. <laughs> I've, I've pinned it to the page because it just brings me joy to look at it. Um, we are theatricalcut at gmail.com on the email if you want to get in touch about whatever we're talking about so if you want to tell us about your rom-coms your favorites then that's on there i am prefax on twitter and on instagram and sonia is mallory underscore watches on instagram because i fucked off the twitter and then the mother pod is t-m-o-o-t-h something like that on the instagram and two m-t-o-o-h on the twitter (laughs) and they're on facebook <laughs> Lol. Uh, right, is that everything? That's everything. Mike, drop.